0: This is a faithful saying deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. I'm Jason Garcia, and this is Faithful Sayings. Well, good morning and thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to take a Bible and be turning to Jeremiah chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 6, we're going to be taking a look at the prophet's words there in just a moment. been looking forward to studying with you and invite you to visit our website to find more information and more studies and more of these broadcasts. In fact, we post all of these broadcasts to our website under the Faithful Sayings tab. If you visit leonvalleychurch.org, you can find those previous broadcast there as well as other resources if that's your desire. We welcome any questions that you have. You'll find a place on our website to submit questions to us as well. If you'd like to set up a study or uh, you have a specific topic maybe that you would like to hear discussed, I'd be happy to accommodate that. But We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 6 this morning, at least to begin with, and we recall that Jeremiah is sometimes referred to as the the weeping prophet. He lived in a Particular time of the history of God's people in which they were on their way out. They were about to be sent into captivity, and Jeremiah was sent to give them a warning and, and to uh, foretell this, uh, this punishment and, and, and condemn the people for their rebellion. Uh, he is remembered for also writing Lamentations as well, in which, uh, as the book title suggests, he is lamenting over the condition of his people. And it's really a sad state if we just take a look at some of the earlier uh, observations Jeremiah makes here early on in the book. In Jeremiah chapter 2, for instance, in verse 13, he says that the people have forsaken God. They have forsaken God. And then in that same chapter in verse 32, he will say that they've just forgotten him altogether, that they've forgotten the Lord in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 32. And there's previous, uh, just before chapter 6, where we'll be in this morning uh, looking at several texts, Uh, but at the end of chapter 5 and Jeremiah 5, the last couple of verses there, just before our context, Jeremiah says that this is an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority, and my people love it so. But what will you do? at the end of it. So here is this condition, they're corrupted, uh they've corrupted their teaching and worship, they've forgotten God, they've forsaken God, and then on top of all of that, Jeremiah says in verse 31, the people love it that way. What happened? How did God's chosen people slide so far and 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 divorce themselves from their God and just forget that he is the ultimate reality and forsake his truth and for and forget about him and rebel against him even. I think Jeremiah provides us with the answer in Jeremiah chapter six, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 16 specifically. So Jeremiah is describing, I think, here the departure of Israel in several steps as he's making these observations about their condition. How did they get to this point? And I think that there's a lot of overlap in what Jeremiah says uh, with what we see going on around us today and and the society in which we live. I think some of the conditions that Jeremiah names here, if we're honest with ourselves, we know are prevalent all around us now as we look at the headlines that come out every day and the various evils and misdeeds of politicians and celebrities and Um, all these kinds of things. So what what were the attitudes that led to the downfall? What were they doing specifically? What were the symptoms of this departure, this departure from God, this forsaking God and His Word? Uh, Begin reading reading with me in Jeremiah chapter 6, and let's look at verse 10 beginning. We'll just go from verses 10 through 16. The prophet says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them, and they have no delight in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gathering of young men together. For both husband and wife shall be taken, the age and the very old. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. And were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall at the time I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So the first thing that I want us to notice about this passage of Scripture is Jeremiah, again, is describing the condition of God's people, what their attitude is toward Him toward one another, how they're dealing with one another. And the first thing that he names in verse 10 there is that they uh, 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 cannot hear the Word of God. They refuse to listen to the Word of God. They They couldn't stand to hear truth any longer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15 of his generation and the people that he tried to teach there who were Uh, hardened against Him and opposed Him. He said, This people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed. And so when people refuse to hear God, He cannot guide their lives because it is through His Word that He guides us, whether it was in Jeremiah's time and God speaking through Jeremiah, and we have these words written down now for us that we can see, or if it's through the New Testament and the Holy Spirit that inspired those men and writers of of the New Testament. That is how God guides our lives. That is how He reveals His will to us. And when people refuse to listen to His message and to His truth, this is where they, they end up. You look at the end of verse 10, uh, the last part of it, The last the last thing Jeremiah says is that they have no delight in it. They don't have any love for the truth. They don't have any love for the truth. You know, and this is nothing new. We, and there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible tells us. And all throughout history, man has often refused to heed the message of God. And people people will even willfully forget, Peter says, in Second Peter 3 and verse 5. Isn't that amazing? And that's what happened here with Jeremiah's people. It wasn't that they had just, uh, you know, accidentally forgot. It just slipped their minds what they were supposed to be doing. These were people who willfully forgot God because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to wallow in in their moral depravity and and slide further and further away. Isaiah says in Isaiah 30 and verse 9 that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. So there the prophet again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saw the same issue, saw the same underlying problem. This people just doesn't want to listen God, And sadly today, there are still many who seem to think that they know more than God, that they can direct their own steps. But this same prophet Jeremiah will say in Jeremiah 10.23, the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. And so over and over again, Jeremiah is, is telling his people and calling his people, as he is inspired by God, to... Listen to him. Listen to his truth. And the same mission has been given to to God's people. We don't have the same message as Jeremiah per se. Jeremiah's was a message of warning and repentance. And that's a key part, an integral part of the gospel as well that we are called to preach today. Mark 16 Verses 15 and 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every man, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be condemned. And people refuse that message still. And depravity is always the result. Moral depravity is always the result. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that God will give people over to a reprobate mind if they refuse Him. And that's exactly what happened here. When there is no love for truth, when people do not delight in it, and when they forsake the Word of God, that's the only alternative. That's the only alternative, is depravity and delusion. Another problem that we see if you look in verse 13, Jeremiah chapter 6, is that they were, these people were obsessed apparently with material things. So, We have all these different um, punishments and uh, named punishments that are coming. And then in verse 13, it says that everyone is greedy for gain, even from the prophet to the priest. Everyone deals falsely. So we know that covetousness and this greedy desire for material gain is sinful in and of itself, but it also often leads to immoral means of obtaining it. Whatever it is that we're coveting, whatever it is that we're desiring, that we are greedy for, you know, when people become obsessed with desire for things and they serve things in their minds, they come up with all kinds of justifications and rationalizations uh, to take any action necessary to fulfill that desire to obtain whatever it is that they're, that they're wanting. And again, this problem existed here in Jeremiah's time. And he's observing that even, he says, even from the prophet to the priest, so even the people who should have been the spiritual leaders, the spiritual examples to God's people, he's saying even they deal falsely. Even they are are, are greedy for gain. We know the Bible tells us in a number of places, 1 Timothy 6 is one of, one of the places where the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And Paul's point there that that's just that is that's foolishness because he'll say in that same context that we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And in Jeremiah's day, people had forgotten that truth as they had forgotten all of God's truth, and they were greedily seeking for material wealth. Jesus is calling us to do something better. To look further into the future, Matthew chapter six. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where your treasure is there your heart will be also Those who are fixated on this world and material wealth will simply not look to God for guidance because their eye is is wholly focused and scope-locked on this world and this life and what they can get here and now But the Christian is to be characterized in this way, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, that we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And there Paul is speaking of of our body as our earthly tabernacle or, or tent. And he says even if that is destroyed or dissolved, we have... We have a house not made with hands. We have another body waiting for us in heaven that is eternal and immortal. But that's predicated on what we read in Matthew 6, Jesus' words that we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, that we're looking to heaven and we're serving him and not material things. Another thing that we see wrapped up closely with verse 13 in the very next verse and verse 14, with this idea of falsehood and dealing falsely with one another. It says in verse 14 that, um, specifically I think of the prophets and priests that he mentions there at the end of verse 13, that they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, the New American Standard says, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And so what we're talking about here is a is a delusion. They had deluded themselves with falsehoods, and they were even telling one another, there's peace and everything. everything's okay. But the truth was, as Jeremiah says here, there is, there is no peace. You, there is no peace with you and God, and pretty soon he is going to use your enemies to exact his judgment. When we're walking down the wrong path, and we're getting out of our lane and we're we're rebelling against God. The devil makes it very easy for us to believe that everything is fine. But just saying that doesn't make it so. That's what these people were doing. They were saying peace and wanted to believe peace. But that doesn't make it so. You know, if if someone goes to the doctor and he has cancer and the doctor knows this but the doctor tells him, "Oh, it's just it's just a bad case of indigestion." You know, that may make that man feel good, and that may be news that is pleasing to the ears, but it's not the truth, and it doesn't do him any good, right? Israel had many people like that. That's what these folks were effectively doing. There was deep seated problems and sin in the in the in their nation and among the among the people, but everyone was saying it's okay, it's not a big it's not a big deal. Trusting and following false teaching and delusions have never saved anyone. Many people today will teach many false things and claim that they are scriptural. And they may even be religious figures like the people were in Jeremiah chapter 6. Maybe they have some accolade or some great reputation as a prophet or priest. Of course, we know the New Testament teaches that all Christians are part of Christ's priesthood. And all prophets have been done away with. That is, that had the miraculous gift of prophecy because all truth has been revealed. But people fall still fall into the same trap of trusting the word of others, of false teachers, or those who are deluded instead of the truth and the word of God. There was no peace among them as they continued in their sins. And people are still falling for the same trap, deluding themselves in the same way. And also Jeremiah reveals something else in verse 15, that they were, uh, he asked the question, were they ashamed because of all this, all this sin that he's observing that he's talking about and the superficial treatment of it? He says, were they ashamed because of the abomination they had done? And he says, they weren't even ashamed at all. And then he uses this figure of speech that we are probably familiar with in verse 15 that they didn't even know how to blush. Israel had rejected God. They refused to hear Him. They were stealing from one another. They were cheating one another for first personal gain, being greedy. Even the prophets and the priests, they were lying to one another. And they weren't ashamed. It didn't, it didn't bother them. Nobody batted an eye. Somebody once said that the morality of a society can be determined by what causes them to blush, what What it is that shames them. When Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and condemning them for their sin, he said, I, I speak this to your shame in First Corinthians 6 and verse 5. And we think about why Adam tried to hide from God in Genesis chapter 3. Why did Why did he do that? Because he knew he had done wrong. And he was afraid and he was ashamed and he was scared. And so he he hid, or at least tried to hide. And so shame and humiliation is really the, the appropriate response and the natural response to our sin. But these people had forgotten even that. They didn't have that ability anymore. They were so calloused and so hardened. And they had regressed to this point that they couldn't even blush. And we look around at our society today and how permissive that it's it's becoming and that it, that it is. And we think about how children are just murdered wholesale while they're still in their mother's womb, and then they're sent to chop shops to be dismembered, and their and their bodies are sold to the highest bidder. And nobody bats an eye. Nobody seems to care. Nobody is ashamed of that. And just wants to bury their head in the sand because they're just overwhelmed with how shameful that is. And even when they're exposed, even when their immoral deeds are exposed and movie stars and politicians and their exploits make headlines and they're revealed to be just phonies and villainous and deceitful It doesn't affect their popularity. Their disciples double down and say amen and keep marching forward with them. No one is ashamed of their sin. They've forgotten how to blush. We see the same thing happening all around us. And Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 12, and speaking of the sin of. Of other people, he says it's it is even a shame it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But many people seem to take a pride in how immoral they can be and, and celebrate their immorality and flaunt their sin on TV talk shows and interviews and magazines. And the rest of the world goes right along with them, celebrating them, praising them, calling them courageous, and things like this. When they are enemies, they are enemies of the truth, and they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 19, their end is destruction, their stomach is their God, and their glory is in their shame. And if we aren't careful, those attitudes, that kind of permissiveness and that unwillingness to be ashamed of of sin, that can seep over into the church. It can seep into our hearts, and we can be swept up along with the rest of them. Vulgar speech, divorce that is rampant, social drinking, immodest and decent dress. These things are, in a lot of ways, just the standard now. They're just... Normal, And that can take a toll on Christians, and they can be affected if we aren't immersing ourselves in the Word of God. And then finally, we come to the cure. As I alluded to just a moment ago, Jeremiah will say the same thing in chapter 6, in verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So there it is. There's the answer. The way back is revealed. The way to to have fellowship with God is, is revealed. And he says, ask for the ancient paths. What was he talking about? What did he mean by that? by going back to the old ways. Jesus said in Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, when he's addressing the church in Ephesus there, he says, you have left your first love. And so then, and at, on the heels of that, he says, after, after leaving your first love, here's what you do. Repent, repent and do the works you did at first. Or else I'm coming and I will exercise judgment. That's my paraphrase, but I think that essentially Jesus is saying the same thing that Jeremiah is here. In chapter 6, repent. Repent and go back to doing what you were doing at the beginning when you first entered into this this covenant and you are at least trying to get it right. You were trying to have fellowship with God and obey his commands. And Jesus has the same message for churches like Ephesus who are regressing and, and going off the deep end. Go back, he says. Go back to your first love. And obey me as you were in the beginning. You see, in the midst of all the quote-unquote modern things that surround us, philosophies that are trending as the latest and greatest thing, and people telling us that the Bible is is outdated or old-fashioned, we need to, to constantly be reminded that old fashioned and, and and ancient is not a bad thing and we need to go back to these old paths these ancient paths where Jeremiah says is the good way where God says the good way is he revealed who he who he, who he is long ago he re, he revealed what he values and what he expects us to be He showed us how we can be moral people. And then he showed us perfectly how to do that in his son. And we need to go back and look at this, this book that is that he has preserved for so long and see what he is calling us to be. We need the word of God. We need the faith that it alone engenders. And we need to contend earnestly for that faith. As Jude says, that was for once... Once and for all, delivered to the saints. If we don't contend for it, who who will? Who is going to speak up? Who is going to boldly take a stand, a compassionate stand in the face of all the evil that we see daily, brought before us? With all the the division, I mean, not just a moral sin and, and error, but there's division and doctrinal error as well. There's three hundred, there's thousands, really, thousands of denominations buying for for members all claiming to be the church that Jesus established, and yet they teach and practice different things. We need to look back into the New Testament and see that Jesus died on the cross to purchase His church, Acts 20 and 28. And He prophesied while He was still on earth that His church would come in Matthew 16. And that it would be built upon the rock, the confession of faith that Peter made in that context, in verse 18. The church is his body and bride, and he wants it to be pure and unblemished, Paul says in Ephesians five twenty-three 23 through 32. With so many preaching tolerance and acceptance of Sin, like homosexual marriage and, and capricious divorce and unscriptural marriages and, and any number of things. I'm just naming a few that come, come to mind. And those happen to be trending now, but it may be something else in a few years. The truth never changes. The, the old guide, God's Word, still reveals the way to salvation. It hasn't changed. It doesn't need to be modernized. It doesn't need to be updated or revised or amended. It's perfect as it is and we just need to trust that he knows that he's what he's talking about and the moment that we close our ears and no longer delight in his truth is the moment we join everybody else on the immoral path that they're in and there is no there is no bottom there is no end to that rabbit hole of lunacy that they're on They are divorced from reality. They have made their own reality. They're completely deluded. And as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.13, they will just go from bad to worst. And so God is still pleading with all of us through Jeremiah and through his son to come back to the ancient paths and walk therein. Because therein, he says, is healing and you will find rest for your souls. We need to be following his teaching. Humbly receiving his word, studying his word, having faith in him, being obedient to his commands, serving in his church and wearing his name unashamedly and boldly. Remember when when God said through Jeremiah, ask for the ancient paths and walk in them walk in the good way they said we will not we will not walk therein so what is your answer this morning with regard to that that question will you walk in the old way in the ancient way and follow the good way of god revealed in his word thank you so much for tuning in with me this morning look forward to studying with you again next week please visit our website at leonvalleychurch.org. We'd love to see you at services on Sunday or Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. You can find more information on our website. And please ask any questions that may have come to your mind. Look forward to studying with you again next week. And once again, I'm Jason Garcia. And this has been Faithful Sayings.